Welcome back to Pedagogy Non-Grad, where we bridge the gap between the scientific literature and teaching in the classroom. Today, I am joined by Dee, who is a teacher out of Ireland, and we're going to be talking about um, science of reading and jolly phonics. Um, Dee, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Hi, Nate. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, so, like I said, I am a primary school teacher in Ireland, and uh, I've been teaching for 17 years. But in the last few years, I've gotten really interested in uh, literacy, literacy education and the science behind it all. Um, so for the last couple of years, I've been teaching what we call junior infants, which is the first year of formal schooling in Ireland. Uh, so the kids are around uh, turning five. Okay. Um, and they're great fun. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so... You're really into the science of reading movement. Where did you learn about the science of reading? Was it at university? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not at university all those many years ago. Um, so a couple of years ago, I think it was it was around 2020 um, with COVID and the explosion of webinars that, that happened. And I attended a webinar with Timothy Shanahan. Um, it was with the Literacy Association of Ireland. So they had a conference every year, something that never would have crossed my radar at all. Um, but because I was starting to watch different webinars, I said, oh, yeah, this looks interesting. And yeah, well, Timothy Shanahan, like you can't you can't do much better than that. Um, and I just ended up down a rabbit hole buying books left, right and centre and attending as much um pd as i possibly could but that was the one good thing that came from COVID that i had all of a sudden all of this um in the palm of my hand i had all of this professional development from all over the world that we couldn't possibly have had in ireland otherwise wow that's a, that's a great start because honestly i don't think there are there are many experts as good as uh, dr shanahan um, sure. so you, you learn from the best right away. Um, and I had no idea that your interest in this was so new and so recent. I just assumed from the, the quality of your content and the things you had to say that, uh, you've been in this game for a long time. Well, I'm flattered. And I've, I have always been interested in early literacy. Um, but the way, the way we work, um, in primary schools in Ireland, you can end up in any class from age five to 12. Um, so we're, we're qualified to teach all those years. So I did spend a lot of time in the older classes, um, you know, from age nine upwards. Um, and I kept trying to get back to the younger kids um, and I just kept getting pulled back out again. So I was always interested in phonics. Um, but all I had to draw on was Jolly Phonics. I didn't I didn't have anything else. Um, and so I was just kind of dipping my toe in and I never really got to dive into it properly yeah um, and then of course you know yourself like I was having kids and all that kind of thing so um since COVID I suppose the time has been right for me to kind of delve into it um properly wow okay so uh you've been doing some advocacy work in regards to science reading can you tell me about that I have well I have an Instagram page um called Playful Classroom um, I didn't start that um, as anything to do with um, science of reading. Um, I'm very passionate about play as well. Um, so I started that about four years ago. Um, so I suppose I have an audience now. So um, I'm trying to help spread the word and, and, and share um, what I can there. 
And then just from talking to different people online, um, I realized there was a lot of Irish teachers out there who were interested in learning more, didn't know where to, to go to find it. So I set up a Facebook group called Science of Reading Discussion for Irish Teachers. And we have, I think, about 1,400 members in it now, which considering there's um, only 40,000 primary teachers in Ireland, it's not too bad. It's, it's uh, great to see so many people uh, interested and interested in, in learning more. Wow. Um, it is it is really great. I feel like the movement really exploded because uh, I I started my own science reading journey about four years ago. And uh, it just it sort of felt like I was I was talking into a vacuum um, or into yeah. space for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, uh, like my um, website traffic has just exploded. And I just seen all these like the social media groups pop up for it. And I just um, it, it just feels like all of a sudden there's this huge community overnight. People are just absolutely enthralled by this process. And it's really interesting to see. Yeah, we do have COVID to thank for that, I think. Um, like I said, I mean, this whole world just opened up to me that just wasn't there before. You know, I, you know, we got our professional development here, you know, during the summer. Um, you know, you might go to the odd seminar, but, you know, it, we just didn't kind of look to, to further afield, um, apart from maybe getting the odd book from the library, but now we just have so much at our fingertips and um, so quickly, you know, like everything happens so quickly on Twitter and everything. Um, as soon as there's uh, an article published, we've all read it within 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. Uh, you can definitely tell that um, narratives go viral now. And, 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 and even in the sense that um, I often think I see a lot of talk about a specific issue and then I feel like I want to write an article about it. And then I'll be just finishing up my article and I'll see Dr. Shanahan has just finished an article on it and he's beat me to the punch on the issue. And I'm just like, wow, that was fast. But um, I, I don't know. I feel like that's just the product of the internet now and the movement. So speaking of, uh, you and I have been chatting a little bit about Jolly Phonics and Letterland. I have an interest in it, not because I've ever tried the program, not because I like I've, I've looked at the materials and thought this is the most amazing program of all time, but because the research outcomes there seem really strong. Um, when I talk about the research outcomes, though, some people very, seem very um, resistant to the program. And usually the criticisms I get are very vague um, and they're never, they're never really research focused. So I'm, I was just curious because you had told me that you had used the program before and then it was very popular in Ireland. So I was really curious as to what you saw as sort of the the pros and cons of this, this program. And it, it seems slightly controversial. And if uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think maybe the most controversial part is the, the use of stories and mnemonics. Um, mm -hmm. What are, what are your thoughts on Jolly Phonics? Wow. I have many, many thoughts on Jolly Phonics. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear all of them. <laughs> so um, Jolly Phonics was um, brought out in, uh, I think it was 1992 in the UK. Um, based on some research that they had done over there. Um, and I suppose it was probably the first big or mainstream uh, synthetic or systematic synthetic phonics program that, that, that came out. Um, I suppose it was around 10 years later it came out in Ireland um, and, and it, it hit very quickly. All of a sudden, 
everyone was doing jelly phonics. This was the thing to do. This was amazing. Um, this is a, you know, revolutionizing what we're doing. Um, and it, I, like I say, overnight, it was in, you know, nearly every school in the country. Um, now, it was um, adapted quite a lot over here. Um, it's not used in the way it's um, intended to be used. Um, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more. Um, and I would say it's still very, very popular. I would say it's in about three quarters of schools in wow. Ireland. Yeah, it's, and they actually sell more in Ireland than they do in the UK. Wow. So it was very popular in the UK too. But then um, I think after the Rose Report, which was maybe 2006, mm-hmm. uh, they, um, you know, they had, they brought out their, their own program. The, the government brought out their own program, the Letters and Sounds program. So I think that kind of took over then. So um, definitely more popular in Ireland because our, our government haven't done anything about phonics at all. <laughs> so we're we're seem to be a bit behind, but yet our literacy rates are really high, even though it feels like we're always behind everybody else. Um, we're obviously doing something right. <laughs> but um just before that um Jolly Phonics came in in Ireland, um Letterland was being used a lot. Um, and we have talked about this. Um anyone I didn't use Letterland myself. Um it was just just before I, I started teaching. Anyone I spoke to or I speak to now that used it doesn't really have anything good to say about it. That's really um, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. And like I say, we talked about this um, over on Twitter and um, like there's pictorial mnemonics in it, which the research shows are very effective. And yet um, these teachers are saying, well, the kids just got obsessed with the with the characters and they were calling it kicking king instead of um and I think really the problem wasn't so much the program but how it was being utilized um teachers were given this program with no training hadn't really done any phonics um instruction training in college um and so we're just you know thrown in the deep end and just trying their best to to you know teach using phonics instead of whole language um but didn't really know what to do um and unfortunately, we saw the same kind of thing happening with Jolly Phonics. So the, again, no, no training, really. Everyone just got this, this manual, the phonics handbook. This is like this, there's this is in every school in, in Ireland. Is that a Jolly Phonics handbook? That's the Jolly Phonics. Um, and, and are they doing hand signals? Oh, yes, yes, they are. They're doing I, the- I ha- I'm so skeptical of the hand signals thing, but I've not seen any research specific on it. Yeah, no, I have found I have found the, the hand signals pretty good to be fair. Um, but this one on the cover is the E or um action, right? So for some reason they put E and or together. Um and the whole thing is you're a donkey, so you've got your hands up back of your head and then you flap them down. But the problem with this one was, or and still is that um the dialect in Ireland is quite different to um, the, the general British um, dialect. And we pronounce our ors. And um, so all those or controlled vowels, we pronounce them quite like um, a standard American English, um, which is quite different to, to British. 
So that's that, that that's one of the issues I have with it. Like this is a program that's been made for British British accents, which we don't have. Mm. Um, so everyone got this this handbook, and you know you, you'd look at it and think, oh well, this is you know this is a good um, manual for teachers, and in fact, uh, about eighty percent of it is uh, photocopies. So just worksheets to to photocopy and hand out to the kids. Um, so it has the 42 um, sounds and the idea is that you would teach one a day mm-hmm. for about eight or nine weeks and then you've covered all the sounds. It doesn't really give any direction after that. Um, there are some, some activities and some resources that you can use, but not much. Um, there's about maybe 20 pages of information for the teacher but again, you know, looking at it now with a, a very critical eye, it's, it's very lacking. Um, now, when I first used this book, I remember coming across the voiced and unvoiced TH. And I hadn't a clue. I didn't know what that was about. I had no idea. So there was this picture of a clown uh, with his tongue out, um, with his tongue out a little bit, and then his tongue out a lot. Uh, I have, I had absolutely no idea. So I actually just skipped it. And any other teacher I, I knew was the same. Um, there was nothing in the manual to explain it to us what a voiced TH or an unvoiced TH was. Um, and even now that I know and I understand it a lot more, um, mostly thanks to Louisa Motes, um, and, and, and I look back through the manual and it, it really doesn't explain it well at all. Um, but I suppose when it came in, it was just this idea of sounds was so kind of revolutionary, really, that um, that's, was, it was enough. They had, you know, a, a picture of a pig for the sound and an action and a song and a story to go with it. So that's what we did. Um, there was a little bit of emphasis on the on the phoneme, on the the you know the the articulation, but not a huge amount, um, unless you, as the teacher, went out of your way to to really emphasise that. Um, and I mentioned that it was um, forty two sounds and, and one a day. So, in in Ireland, teachers went, oh, I can't do one sound a day. They're like, not ready for that they're just starting school that's crazy so hmm, let's see what we do um let's do one a week oh so, god yeah so we ended up with this whole letter of the week thing which wasn't what was intended at all so teachers thought well you know we've got 30 weeks in the school year there's 26 letters of the alphabet perfect we'll have the alphabet covered by the end of the year and you know and i'm sure anyone listening here knows that you know letter of the week not a good idea you you're not going to get very far with that. You know, it's funny. I, I've never seen any research on like the how fast we teach the letters and scopes. And I see a lot of debating with the science reading groups. Um, I see some people who, you know, still advocate for a fairly slow pace. And personally, I really like a very fast pace. So because uh, I think it makes sense to give the majority of kids access to the code and then come back and work to mastery at those students who needed more instruction. But I feel like there's a percentage of the class that if you did one a day would do amazing. And I'm going to be honest, the first time I ever taught 
uh, primary. I was teaching grade two, but they were very low grade two. And I taught all of the sounds in the first lesson. And I just kept teaching all of them every lesson. And we just repeated basically the same games and activities until they had all mastered all the sounds. But there was no like, today we are learning the ah sound thing. Um, whereas yeah. I, I feel like that's a, a very common approach. Yeah, um, I think so. people I think get caught up with, oh, I need to have my sequence for the year. Um, whereas like you say, you can, you can do cycles. Um, you know, you can do them all in eight weeks by all means, and, but then repeat them for the next eight weeks and then the next eight weeks. Um, and I think, I, I don't know, it depends on the age um, that children start school in, you know, different countries. But um, when the children are starting school here, the first month or two, you're really just settling in. You're not doing anything. You're not really doing any heavy work. You know, you're getting them used to listening, getting them um, holding pencils, you know, you, starting straight into writing the letter A is is a bit much at the, at the beginning, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so um, I think once, you know, if you start a bit later and um, they're a bit more ready and then you can go with, um, you know, a really good pace. So last year the, with the, the class that I had, um, actually the last two years, um, we spent the first term from September to Christmas um, just working on um, pre-reading and pre-writing. So we did lots and lots and lots of phonological awareness, lots and lots of fine motor, gross motor activities, um, lots and lots of phonemic awareness. And then in January, we started introducing the letters and started letter formation. And we absolutely flew through them. Mm. Like they were ready. They were able for it. Um, and then, yeah, you get that, that momentum going as well. And then within you know, within two weeks, you have them blending, you have them blending CVC words, you get, mm. you get, whereas I know in the past where teachers were doing one letter a week, it would be months and months before a lot of the kids could blend a CVC word. Yeah. Um, so if, when, when they realize that they can do that, it's like this big light bulb moment for them. It's wonderful. Um, so I think yeah, uh, the, the the fast pace I I, I do I do think um, works, but you have to you have to be flexible and you have to be uh, willing to repeat things over and over. Yeah, I, I really like that you said that. Um, it's funny. I'm applying to have a podcast just on this topic, but I've I've never personally actually used a program, and I've I'm really not a fan of programs actually. Um, and the, the reason I'm not a particular fan is because. They seem to always have like a, a particular scope and sequence and um, a scripted way of teaching it. But I feel like that's very unresponsive to your students' needs because mm. if I'm teaching those the sound S and my students as a class have it in five minutes, I don't want to spend the rest of the lesson on that. I want to move on. And if we're doing TH and they're really struggling with it and we're two lessons in, I'm not going to be like, oh, my scope said time to do the next letter. I'm going to be like, we're going to repeat this until they get it. And I, I'm much more, I'm a much bigger fan of following the pace of your students than following the pace of a book that's been written by somebody else that's never yeah. met your students. Um, and the way that Jollyphonics is structured, I think people have really got caught up in that. So they have uh, separated um, the 42 um, phonemes into seven groups. So the yeah. first group is that famous sap pin. Yeah. Um, and then 
The second and third group are just more single letter sounds. Then in the fourth group, we start introducing digraphs, even though they haven't covered all of the letters of the alphabet yet. And then um, the fifth and sixth more um, digraphs, and in the seventh group, the, the or controlled vowels. Um, so it covers the one spelling for each of the 42 phonemes. Yeah. Yeah, I know I say 42, like it depends on dialect, but Jolly Phonics says there's 42, so. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard 44. <laughs> I yeah. recently saw someone say it's 100 and something, and I was like, okay. No, around 44, let's say, approximately. Yeah. Um, so people get quite caught up with that, um, that sequence, you know, that the, you know, group one, group two, group three, um, and, and like to follow it um, exactly. Um, and I do have some issues with that because, well, one, because you're doing digraphs before you've learned all the letters of the alphabet, which I, I just personally, I think they need to know about the alphabet first. And um, the other issue I have is some of the digraphs um, that they introduce are rare spellings. So, for example, they bring in the for the I sound, they bring they use the IE spelling. Um, and like I remember when I was using this first, you know, trying to find words with this IE spelling, um, you know, and couldn't find many. And then I looked it up. Um, just last year, and I discovered that um, only 9% of words with the I sound use the IE spelling. Mm -hmm. So it's not an ideal first spelling to use. Um, you know, that would be better off with the I consonant E maybe, yeah. or E I G H. Um, so there's a few things like that, that are, you know, the funny choices um, that I just, I suppose I don't know why they, they brought them in. Um, another issue then is the the, the or sound, um, which in um, the British dialect would be aw. So we have another sound that's aw, and that we spell with aw, au, al, um, but that's it's all under the one sound for them. So that's another that's another issue for for us. Um, with that um, and it also um, doesn't include the schwa and it doesn't include the zh sound um, so you know I, the, the scope and sequence for me has has issues now that said the sat pin first group I mean that's that's perfect and you know mm. we know that that works well and that's that that, that, that was around even 20-30 years before Jolly Phonics um, so, you know, that's that's a, a good, reliable one. Um, and even the second and third group are fine as well. It's mostly when it goes into those digraphs. So um, another issue then um, is that th this um, phonics handbook, you know, that was brought in and it's for the first year of schooling. In Ireland, it's kind of used in the first two years of schooling. So in a lot of schools, not every school, a lot of schools would do 26 letters of the alphabet in junior infants in the first year. And then the following year, they go back over those um, and then do the rest of the phonemes. But unfortunately, after that, um, 
right yeah and they still need phonics instruction after that obviously but we didn't really have anything to follow on there is um jolly phonics does have follow-on um programs um the changes to they call it jolly grammar mm. that kind of put, put a lot of people off and it goes into quite um difficult grammar um it gets quite difficult with fronted adverbials and all this kind of thing and that i don't understand myself <laughs> um so what happens in a lot of schools is children were getting bits of phonics instruction um after the first two years but not as not in a structured way um, and so they didn't learn all the alternative spellings for all the phonemes so they knew one spelling for each phoneme but not many more after that um now this this is quite an extreme example but um it's it's just an issue that i have seen um, it was like we had this program for the first two years and then after that nothing the, ki the kids can read now or are supposed to be able to read now uh, and, and it's not the teachers weren't trying they just didn't have anything to use um uh, they, they were just kind of i suppose at a loss and we no guidance from our um department of education unfortunately yeah it's that's really interesting um it's funny. So the one of the criticism I heard was that the, it's not a speech to print um, approach, which is yeah. not it's a synthetic approach. Yeah. And a, another uh, criticism I heard is that um, it doesn't have like an immense focus on the rules of, uh, of phonics. So like there's not a lot no. of teaching of rules. But I, I almost wonder because there's nothing really in the scientific literature on like an ex from an experimental standpoint, at least really support those criticisms in fact the the nrp results found that it found high results for jolly phonics and it found higher results for synthetic phonics and interesting my own meta-analysis of the topic showed that the shorter experiments on phonics tended to show higher results so maybe that's part of why jolly phonics is is effective in the literature at least is that as you point out it's not a long program it's sort of like it sounds like what you're saying is it's like a quick program to sort of help the core instruction of the class get reading yeah. I would assume from what you're saying, it's probably not appropriate for struggling readers or dyslexic readers. That's not a tier two or tier three intervention. No, it wouldn't be. Um, well, like I said, the, the stories, the songs and the actions are all are all very nice and they're very engaging for the kids. And I think that's why it has been so successful. Interesting. Um, that it, it, it's enjoyable. It is enjoyable. It is? Okay. And, um, you know, for even for parents, you know, they could they could see how this was working. Um, and, you know, the blending element of it, you know, was, it was done quite well. Um, was lots what do you mean of, by the uh, blending element? So there'd be lots of, um, like, um, flashcards, say, with a dot under each grapheme. And um, if it was a digraph, there'd be a little line. So really oh, okay. focusing on... Uh, you know, your left to right blending and that, that, that this word is made up of sounds. Um, so that, that element, and there is um, programs that you can put up on your interactive whiteboard um, to go with it, and they're quite good too. Um, you know, it would have lots of um, words um, to read that, you know, based on what letters they've covered so far. 
Um, so it would be quite systematic in that way. Like they would have um, little readers and, and things based on what they've covered so far. So really, really important. Yeah, so there, I mean, there is, like I say, the, the manual itself has some photocopyables, you know, that, you know, they're, they're good. Um, but if you just had the manual itself, you know, you, you'd really have to supplement it a lot. They do have lots of other resources, but it's not um, it's not like a standard package. In oh, OK, that's interesting. So you go to different schools and you will find they have completely different resources for it. Yeah. Does it include embedded phonics or, or sorry, not embedded phonics, embedded mnemonics like uh, with letter? No, line? they're not embedded. No, no. OK, no. so, um, you know, that would say, for example, the, the letter P, they have this pink pig cake. And you would have to puff out the candles on the pink pig cake. Oh, and so there's a whole little story about a boy's birthday. And yeah, but it, no, there wouldn't be an embedded pictorial mnemonic. It just I... the um, curriculum. And you know, our curriculum in Ireland is a balanced literacy curriculum. Um, and you know, even described as such by by the the people who wrote it. Um, but I know myself. Um, for years, you know, I was teaching phonics and I was interested in it, even though I didn't know a whole lot about it. I, you know, I knew what I was doing was was worthwhile, um, you know, and I could see it in their writing. Um, but then I had all these leveled texts for the kids. Oh, so God. I was using those. Um, I knew something wasn't right. I knew there was a disconnect, but. I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, and that was for, for years and years. It's only in the last uh, couple of years since I've really um, looked into it that I go, okay, yeah. So we're teaching them phonics, but then we're asking them to read without using their phonics knowledge, um, which is crazy, absolutely crazy. So that is happening a lot here. Um, you know, the things are changing for, for the better, thank God. But um yeah, we were teaching this phonics and then they weren't getting to actually use it, um, which was bizarre, really. But that's that's how it is. But you can see that that kind of element in it as well with the tricky words. So um, the tricky words, um, which is an unfortunate name that they chose, is a list of 60 high frequency words. Um, and I'm just trying to find the page here so I can even read out what they've how they describe them. Um, irregular words are known by the children as tricky words because they are inclined to trick you. Some part of a tricky word will be regular. So that's, that's a good thing um, to say. Uh, for example, with the word come, the C and M are regular. Um, a list of 60 irregular or difficult to spell words are given in the photocopy section. So this, these 60 words, Okay, some of them are perfectly regular. We have the word um, put or and, which is bizarre that they're putting that on the list, calling this tricky words. So, I mean, I always gave this list out to the children to bring home and I'd explain to, to them and the parents that these are words that we can't sound out, so we just have to learn them by sight. It actually says here, 
And there are many keywords that are irregular. These cannot be spelled accurately by listening to the sounds. These are called tricky words and have to be learned. So, I mean, talk about misleading, you know, this has been, this has been an eye opener for me that I was just asking the children to just look at these words and remember them. Um, and there was no, there was no guidance within Jolly Phonics on how to teach these, only that you have flashcards. That was it. Mm. Um, and it's just, here's your list, learn it off. So children would learn off that list. I mean, I know this list myself off by heart, you know, what's, what, what's num the number one word, number two, number three. Um, and the kids do, did too. Um, you mix them up and, and they wouldn't know them. So that, that's, that's a big, big problem with, with Jolly Phonics, even just the use of the word tricky. You know, it's, it's got a negative connotation and um, you're already setting them up for failure by telling them, well, you, you can't learn these words. You just have to, to look at them and try and remember them. Hmm. Interesting. So you're, you're very fluent in the science of reading and you've used this program for years. So I want to give I want to hear your your uh, your rating on it. So out of five stars, what do you Ooh. give? Oh gosh, I give it a two and a half. Two and a half. Wow. <laughs> like there are there are some very good elements, and like I say, I mean it is synthetic phonics. So you know, in some ways, you can't go wrong with yeah. that, and the children will learn their letter sounds. But there are a lot of tweaks needed to to improve it. Now, I, I know they are trying to improve it because um, in the UK for it to be um, kind of listed as a as a as an SSP program um, that's recommended by the government, it has to meet certain criteria. So I think they they, they were making changes to it. I don't know what those changes um, are. I heard, I heard they're actually removing the stories because the stories were unpopular. Mm, uh, the stories are, yeah, look, they're, they're okay. <laughs> see, I, I actually, I, I'm very curious if the stories is what made it get such high results in the scientific studies. Um, I, I wonder if that was uh, actually just the, the best part of the program. But I would say no, the songs more so than anything. The songs, um, really? The songs, yeah. So the children, the children do enjoy the songs. And, and they do remember them because they're to the tune of um, common songs like Frere Jacques or oh, Yankee okay. Doodle. So um, they've just put their own words on it. So it'll be, ah, ah, ants on my arm, ah, ah, ants on my arm, ah, ah. Oh, that's catchy. Are you gonna suck? Me <laughs> alarm. So they are the very catchy. Yeah, um, it is catchy. And the action goes with the song. So, um, you know, that's, it, it does work well now there are a few of them like i said that definitely need to be changed like the keywords that they've chosen like for um for the mm sound mm. uh the letter n they've chosen an airplane as the keyword <laughs> because it makes that mm sound and then you put your arms out to the side well like you know you're putting up a picture on the wall of an airplane for the letter n that is mega confusing for kids. yeah oh yeah that's that's a terrible choice <laughs> all right i am seeing the clock that i'm running out of time here so i want to let people know where they can find out more about you oh yes yeah. so uh instagram uh playful underscore classroom um on facebook uh science of reading discussion for irish teachers and on twitter i'm at uh, tremendous underscore fun tremendous underscore fun i didn't know that 
I know I have you on, on Twitter, to be honest, but I didn't realize that was your handle. That's pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's a bit random. It's an old one. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's very nice to talk to you, Dee, and uh, I hope Thank you have you. a really nice day. Thank you, Nate. Bye-bye. Bye.